Having a notebook application that goes with you everywhere and is available on every device can greatly enhance your teaching and productivity. On episode 48 of Teaching in Higher Ed, Scott Self and Bonnie share how they each integrate Evernote into their classes and workflows. Even if you aren't an Evernote user, you're bound to pick up a few tips. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. As I say in the introduction each time, this show is to help us be more effective at facilitating learning and also increase our personal productivity so we can have more peace. And I am so excited about today's guest. He has been listening to the show for a while. His name is Scott Self. He is from Abilene Christian University. He's the director of university access programs. He teaches for them and also supports so many initiatives. I'll have him share with you in a second. But Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I was absolutely thrilled when I think we first started touching base on Twitter, I believe it was, if memory serves, or maybe in the comments of the podcast. And I got so excited about your blog that it was it was like the productivity soulmates. And <laughs> you've completely <laughs> built such a wonderful tool for people that want to find ways to be more productive. So tell us a little bit of how you started your blog and the kinds of topics that you start out there. And for people listening, this is episode 48. So you'll be able to get the link to Scott's blog as well as all the other tools we'll talk about at teachinginhighered.com slash 48. So tell us about your blog and how you got it started and what the focus is. Well, um, that, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, the, um, the blog I started back in December, and it really started as something I was going to share with my faculty on campus. I've been running a group in our faculty development center on productivity and trying to find some ways to help support uh, other faculty at our institution. So I kind of developed the blog for that purpose, and it's gotten bigger in its own way than just my institution very quickly. Could you share about your role there at Abilene and a a little bit about how that has also linked in with your blog too? As a director of university access programs, I have a number of different external grant supporting intervention initiatives specifically for students who are low income and or first generation or disabled. Currently, we have six programs. They range in interventions from a program that we have at a Head Start campus to help parents start to think about college access when their kid is four years old, uh, all the way to our McNair Scholars Program, which many universities have. That that program supports low-income, first-generation college students in research and scholarly activities toward earning a PhD. So we've got a long longitudinal scope involved in helping students think about college access. My other job besides teaching is that I'm the the disabilities compliance officer for our institution. So I spend a good deal of my time thinking about what we can do as an institution to ensure that all of our students are able to learn in their in the uh, least restrict least restrictive environment 
and that all of our students have access to the education, including those with disabilities. We're going to be talking about Evernote today, but before anyone presses stop on their podcast recording and fast forwards to the next one, what can you tell us about how, yes, we use Evernote as a tool, but that it sort of doesn't matter which notebook program or, or, or you might be using that a lot of what we'll, we'll share will apply to more than that? Yeah, look, I don't think it's about Evernote. I mean, I like Evernote. I live there and it's useful. But but I think that really what we're talking about are finding ways to use whatever technology is available. I mean, you can use Microsoft OneNote. You can use Scrivener. You can use something like Ulysses. There are other platforms that can be equally as effective in helping kind of manage the learning system I think one of the things that frustrates me the most is trying to use learning management systems. I have to confess I'm a little bit biased because we've had four at Abilene Christian in the last five years. So I've rebuilt the same course four different times in four different learning management systems. And they don't talk to one another. They don't have conversation one system to the next. So you have to kind of rebuild them from scratch. And I think being, I think the other very important component of this is, you know, your course development is kind of, it belongs to the faculty member and having some kind of platform where the faculty can go in, manage and and develop their courses in a way that's effective for their students and belongs to the faculty member is really important. I still use the learning management systems, you know, for quizzes and grades and to communicate grades and to turn work in, but a lot of the content that I'm sharing with students is being shared through a platform and it just happens to be Evernote in my case. I hadn't realized until you just said that, that that was a part of your workflow in Evernote. I am probably between Evernote and Dropbox as far as these assets for my courses. It kind of depends on what specifically it is I'm trying to do. But my goodness, what a difference that makes. Even if you were to link to a file in Dropbox or link to a note in Evernote, what's wonderful about it is if you change that note later on, it automatically got updated in your learning management system. I think far too many of us are uploading files to our learning management system only to have them change down the road and then we forget to update them. All of a sudden they have the wrong version or what have you. So I am all about keeping my course assets out of the learning management system to the extent that that's possible to do and having it live somewhere else. For me, I started out using Microsoft OneNote on a tablet computer. That was one of the early notebook programs that I used. And what I loved about it that I think I would love for Evernote to have these two things that, that, that it doesn't have today unless you do a workaround. And that is I would just love to be able to pick up a stylus and start writing on an Evernote mm-hmm. note. And I know I can yeah. do that. There's a number of programs that you can a note. A, note-taking program, you can do a hand-drawn image and then export it to Evernote. But I would just love it if it lived in Evernote and I could just write right inside of a note. The other thing I really like about OneNote, and again, it's been years since I used it, but was just the ability to have it less like a word processor and more like a note-taking app. I could just click anywhere on this empty note and start typing in text. It didn't have to be in rows or columns or paragraphs style. And so it it was just kind of a way of just like we would take notes on a regular piece of paper and Evernote, that's not the direction they've gone. But we're going to talk next about all of the wonderful things Evernote can do. So those are just two things I feel like it's lacking in, but it sure has a lot to offer besides that. You know, one other thing that uh, you were talking about, you know, learning management systems, 
the way we treat them oftentimes is, uh, you know, even for a residential bricks and mortar course, a traditional course, we still use the learning management system in almost a unidirectional way, at least in the learning part. Um, it's not necessarily a conversational tool. And one of the things about using a different platform like uh, OneNote or Evernote is that the the classroom becomes a kind of conversation around learning. You can you can upload uh, in, my, in some of my linguistics classes. You know, I'll find some interesting article. I'll quickly clip that into into our class notebook and put a little title on it that says FYI and and what the subject is. And my students can go in and read it. They can do the same thing. They can offer stuff that they found on the net or in their email box and send that to our Evernote notebook. And so we begin to kind of have a collaborative learning environment as opposed to a directional learning environment where I created all the materials. You just fill out whatever I said fill out. When you do that, how are you setting up the permissions? Because I, I imagine there could be the risk of if you give me too much permission, I can go and start accidentally deleting your notes or editing things that you wish I wouldn't. How do you set that up? I give the students the the address to send notes to the Evernote. I set up the permissions where I'm the only one who can edit the notes. The reason I go that way is you're absolutely right. If somebody accidentally deletes a note, one of the ways this came to my attention early on was I created a shared notebook. We also I had some some information in there that we were going to run from for our lecture notes and they had access to everything I was working from and a student started taking his notes on that note and was messing it up for me and for everyone else. So I set the permissions for the notebook to be read only, but they have the they have the unique email address that they can send stuff to and um, that's that seems to work. That's really smart. And and there would be times specifically at our university we'll have sometimes a, a disability services letter will come and one of the accommodations will be a note taker. And there could be an opportunity where you would share just a specific note with a student who was perhaps assigned as a note taking role or something. I, I know that looks different at different universities, but we don't have to share an entire notebook. We could just share a note and maybe share a note with just one specific student as an example. But this sounds like really efficient way to create more of a collaborative learning environment without necessarily messing up all the great work that you put into to having those resources yeah. there. You know, one of the other accommodations that's kind of uh, oftentimes offered to students with, um, with disabilities is a copy of the teacher's outlines or presentation material. And in this case, um, if you've got something set up to where you can share that with all of your students, then all of your students benefit from that from that same accommodation. I would much rather my students not copy down what I'm putting up on the screen. Mm. I'd much rather that that um, they look at that, have it in their Evernote or whatever system they're using to have that stuff available. And then we can actually begin the process of discussing and learning and thinking out loud with one another in the classroom. I completely agree. And it, it is it saddens me to think about how in many cases, education has conditioned them to just think that's their job as students is to write down what they see on the screen. Yeah. So I'm continually just stripping stuff off the PowerPoints. And then, like you said, giving them the confidence that anything that I show is already available, but without having that translate into laziness on their part, because I want them to come also ready to be challenged, as you said, to be in a conversation in the classroom. 
Well, one of the resources I want to point out to people, again, we're at teachinginhighered.com slash 48, because this is the 48th episode, is your introduction to Evernote in higher ed on your blog. So I've got a link there. And then the other resource that I know both of us have near and dear in our hearts is Brett Kelly's Evernote Essentials. And this is a PDF book that you can purchase. And it is just a phenomenal resource. I purchased it probably... I don't know, a year and a half ago or something like that. And I I was reviewing for our conversation last night and was up there and still going, oh, I'd forgotten about that you could even link it to Twitter and you could do all these things. So it's a a really basic way to get started, but it goes all the way to the advanced features too. Yeah, Brett Kelly, I guess, I I don't know him, but I understand that he used to work for Evernote. And uh, his... his, his ebook is just so valuable in kind of learning to navigate and, and, and operate within the system. And, um, you know, one of the challenges of something like Evernote is that there's no one right way to use it. And that can, that can be difficult because there are a billion ways you can set things up and, um, it's easy to get overwhelmed you know, on first glance. And his book is so good at kind of demystifying what's going on in a platform. And then it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's not something you read once. It's something you end up discovering little nuggets that you're ready for, cognitively ready for, because you're in a place where you can use those new nuggets. Yeah, I think cognitively and behaviorally, because that's one of the things is we can get overwhelmed by new features, new things without having a solid habit in place for the ones we have discovered. And that is one of the things I know both of us are going to encourage that we're going to, our flow for our talk today is we're going to talk about some of the big advantages of Evernote. And again, just notebook programs in general, we're going to give you some advice, talk about how we structure things on our end. And then we've got at the end, when you're really getting nerdy with Evernote, some of the things just to know what's possible, if you're more on the advanced end, or, or you could save that for when you when you're ready for it. But but we both recommend we've got to start out with just the basics and Evernote really shines here. And Evernote works like any notebook that you would have in that you're creating different notebooks with notes inside them. And it, but then it can really stretch as you get more advanced. The other post I want to mention to take a look at that will be in the show notes is your Evernote in the classroom post too. I didn't want to forget to mention that one. Let's move on and talk a little bit then about some of the big advantages of Evernote. One of the big strengths of Evernote is how easy it is to capture. Could you share a few of the a great Evernote features that you like to use for capturing? The one I find myself using the most is the Web Clipper. It, I mean, it's, it, I'm at a web page. I think to myself, hmm, I might want to look at this again in the future, whether it's for a class, whether it's for work, or maybe it's just an article I want to read. If I click the web clipper um, uh, that, that's integrated in just about any web browser, um, then it just automatically goes into my inbox and I can, I can process it later. The other one I love using is drafts. I don't really like to, when I'm on uh, my iPad, I don't really like to open up Evernote and navigate and get to a new note, get started. And if you, if you use drafts on iOS, you can just start open, start typing, uh, capture whatever you needed to capture, and then you can send that, that note in drafts uh, to Evernote very seamlessly and very quickly. 
One of the things I use drafts for is if I have an idea for a class, I can just type in that idea real quick and then automatically have drafts set up to not just send it to Evernote's inbox, but you can actually even specify what notebook and even what note so I can have a note that either gets appended or prepended with that idea for a particular class. And since I've taught some of my classes 20 plus times, it really does help to have a way to capture new ideas. I haven't tried prepending a note. That's a uh... That's something I'm going to go try right after we finish talking. Yeah, it's really a great feature. The other one is more on the personal level. We have two small children, and we record an audio message for them each year, right around their birthdays, which happen to be at the beginning of the year, too. And so when when they have their something we want to capture as a memory throughout the year, we will just put that in drafts, and it will... It will prepend that to a note. And then when we're going through recording the audio once a year, we'll talk through, oh, you know, you were this, you went to your first preschool or whatever. You can have the stories right there in front of us. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. So speaking of emailing into Evernote, we sort of, I sort of jumped the gun there because that was using the app called Drafts. But even if you don't use the app called Drafts, you could just open up an email whether you're on your computer or you're sitting on your phone, however you do it, there's a special email address for your Evernote account that's unique to you. I think the email link is really valuable. Um, you can quickly email yourself a note, which is really awesome. I also use the forwarding feature on my email and forward an email to my Evernote account. You can assign project and tags and everything else in the subject line. If I have an email that I want to that I want to be able to refer to uh, in the future, I'm probably going to archive that thing. And uh, and searching an email, at least in Apple Mail, drives me crazy. Searching an email in uh, an Evernote works so seamlessly and quickly that the things I want to get back to end up going to Evernote. The other easy captures for me, I absolutely love capturing with pictures. And Evernote has a really cool document camera that's built in that you can, it'll automatically crop off, it'll recognize where the edges of your paper are, especially if you have some contrast. So you have a piece of paper on a dark desk, for example, and it'll automatically straighten it. It'll automatically, for the pro version, I believe it'll OCR the text. I don't know if it does that on the basic version, but on the pro version, it does OCR the text. And then as an OCR, by the way, means optical character recognition, where the then the words in that will be searchable. I haven't used it once. It's something as simple as taking a picture of a shampoo bottle. I kept forgetting the name of the shampoo that I wanted, especially if my husband was out running errands to get, oh, you need anything? Oh yeah, I need shampoo, but I can't remember the name of it. So I just go into my Evernote, I type in shampoo and up comes a literal picture of my shampoo bottle with of course the name of the brand of shampoo that I buy. So it'll take a photograph of something and the text will be searchable, including by the way, this just blows my mind, handwritten text. I will say I was a chair of a committee some years ago, and we had the recorder who just loved to not show up to meetings. <laughs> and I was not interested in both being the chair and also being the recorder, and no one else wanted to be the recorder. It was one of those things I just, I just decided, hey, what's the important thing here? Capturing what we talked about. So I would take notes on a whiteboard. I would take a picture of that whiteboard. It would go into Evernote, and at least then it was searchable if I had handwritten 
on the whiteboard the name of the committee meeting and the date that the meeting was held. It made it really a quick, easy way to capture. And then I didn't feel I was somehow obligated to take on more than my commitment for that particular committee. You know, um, the, the taking pictures of whiteboards is also a great um, a tool in the classroom. Um, I'll usually, if I've written on the board, I'll usually take just a moment tell my students, give me just a second, I'm going to take a picture of this, it'll be in the Evernote notebook or on our note for today so that they have access to it. They don't have to copy down everything that's on the whiteboard. Um, and then, for, for, for example, my students with disabilities, I'll oftentimes recommend to them, especially like in math class, don't try to copy down everything on the whiteboard. Whip your camera out um, in Evernote, take a picture, put it in with the rest of your notes, and you can go back and see that stuff. And what we've discovered is not only is it searchable, but it's also, it also brings back the context. I don't mean context in a never know way. I mean context in a cognitive way that the student is able to go back and when they see what the professor had written on the whiteboard in math class in the professor's own writing, the schemata is available for them to remember a lot of what was discussed in class when they took the picture. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple more advantages and then move into our advice. A big advantage I already sort of alluded to is the search capabilities. I've just skimmed the surface, though. There's a lot of search possibilities within Evernote. And then the fact that Evernote is such a popular notebook program that it has integration with a whole bunch of other apps and services. So those are some big key advantages to Evernote over some of the other programs. But let's move on and start talking about our advice for Evernote. We already talked about the first one, which is to start with the basics and then move on from there. But let's also talk about how we organize Evernote. For me, I started out with too many notebooks. It seemed like, gosh, well, I should just make a notebook for everything and I should make one for each class and I should make one for each project. And I, and I, I wound up with way too many. And for me Did now... Did you do the whole nesting thing where you had nests mm-hmm. and all of the... <laughs> I sure did. Now I got it down to just reference, work, personal. There's an inbox that gets things can just go into and then I can move it to where it needs to go later. So that's four. And then I'm required to have some for use with my live scribe pen, which is a pen Mm -hmm. that will record lectures and things. So, So they make their own notebooks. I don't have a choice over those, but I keep it really minimal. I think based on what you're talking about, I'm really, my mind is being bended in a good way. I might look to maybe having a notebook for a class because then that would be more facilitate better sharing and collaboration as you've described. But I say, keep it as minimal as possible. And where you would have wanted a notebook, create something called a tag. And a tag just means I can have more than one tag. So something can be related to a class, but it also could be a topic, but it also could be something else. Yeah, I'm with you. I um, I did the whole notebook thing. And the the problem is, it's, it's not really a problem. It's just so much faster and easier to search for notes using the search tool than it is to navigate through your, uh, through your notebooks. Even if you know which notebook a note is in, it's so much faster to search for it. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have a lot of notebooks. Um, it doesn't matter. You can have a lot of notebooks. It, the search tool still will, will work just fine. But I keep one notebook per section of a course that I teach. And that one is shared. And then when the semester is over, I'll process that notebook a little bit. It has a tag 
one of the tags. I'm looking at one right now. It has a tag for it has the course name. It has a tag phonetics and a tag intro to linguistics and a tag phonology because I use that same note in several different courses uh, or in several different ways. And so I can pull that out whenever I need to, to look at this note through one of four different ways. Um, but I think that makes a lot, a lot of sense because then you know, when I'm, when I'm looking for information uh, in my Evernote, I can either run a text search or I can just look through my tags and pull out the notes that belong to those tags. I have some tags that are time-based, so I would say 2015S for our spring semester, 2015F for our fall semester, and then I have some that are more class that wouldn't matter when I was teaching a class, but I'm really interested in what you've described as far as having a notebook for a class. I think that's going to be something fun to explore. <laughs> and speaking of fun things to explore, we have a few ways that when we get the basics down of Evernote, we've got our organization system down, we are using tags and we're capturing things, whether it's a whiteboard or whether it's a picture or a document like we described, what we can take Evernote to the next level with. So this is when you get really, really geeky with Evernote. And I'd love it if you'd share first about how you're automating agendas in Evernote. Well, uh, yeah, so I created a workflow where um, using Automator, I've, I've got my calendar uh, is imported into Evernote every morning at four in the morning. And then uh, it appends to that note well, so I have my agenda has all of my count, all of my meetings that I have for the day. I meet with a lot of students throughout the day, so and all of those are scheduled in advance on my calendar. So when the when the um, at four in the morning, my calendar goes into my Evernote for the day on OneNote. It also gets a tag. Um, I use a service called TaskClone. And what TaskClone will do is it will search through that note, and if I create any uh, task with a little checkbox, when I think it'll send the, the task over to my OmniFocus inbox, I can be meeting with students, taking notes while we're talking. If I promise uh, I'll send you such and such a paper, I'll make a little uh, task in that agenda note that'll automatically go into my OmniFocus inbox, and then I can just follow up with the student later on when I'm, when I'm processing the task. And this is one of those things where if I had a lot of meetings during the day, I can see it being absolutely incredible. But, but maybe this isn't quite going to work for me, or maybe I've never heard of OmniFocus, or, or maybe it's a little bit, a little bit uh, too, too far along the path for me and my skill level. I'd encourage anyone listening just to be thinking about, well, if I'm not there yet... How could I make meetings just a little bit more effective? <laughs> and, and so instead of going all the way with the workflow, then maybe I just explore this task clone thing that I didn't ever know if I just put a checklist or reminder anywhere, it would talk to whatever my task manager was. I mentioned to you, you I used to use task clone with Remember the Milk. I now uh, have been inspired by you to use it with OmniFocus, but it works with a number of different task managers. So it might be something you could take away from listening to this episode and, and see how that goes for you. And then you have another one. Uh, there's a Mac Power Users host named Katie Floyd, and she has an article on Evernote and something called Hazel. And Hazel is specific to us Mac users, but I think it's worth us just sharing real quick about Katie Floyd's workflow. Would you talk a bit about that? 
Yeah. So one of the things you're capable, one of the things that you can do, and this just it takes a, just a little bit of work. I I don't know anything about scripting. Um, I borrow scripts from people on the internet. So, um, but with just a little bit of uh, instruction, and uh, you know, we did. Uh, I, I sent you the link for um, for her article on MacWorld. If you can just follow through, you can automatically have stuff sent to your Evernote out of your email box using uh, Hazel or out of a uh, processing box and send to Evernote and we'll actually process that stuff for you. So I capture stuff the old-fashioned way of using web clippers or email, but some of the stuff I capture happens in a more automated way and is available and ready for me when I need to get to it. And I, I think that helps me know that just about everything I need is somewhere within my system uh, and accessible. Yeah, the one link that I'll include in the geeky Evernote users is saving your Kindle highlights into Evernote. I am a big time reader on the Kindle app, whether it's literally on my Kindle, the Kindle Voyage is a device I recently gotten I'm enjoying but I also have the Kindle app on my iPad and I'm reading along I can just be highlighting and then automatic not automatically but but you could transfer the highlights over into Evernote and then as you said have it all searchable and a little bit more friendly to use. Wow. Does that only work with Kindle or have you tried it with iBooks? I have not tried it with iBooks and I, I don't use iBooks as much. My, my library is mostly inside of Kindle, but I imagine the same thing would work. It's not, like I said, it's not an automated thing, but it's at least to get them over there. That's cool. All right. You have three recommendations for us. Share, share your recommendations to kind of take Evernote to the next level. Well, I mentioned one, which was Task Clone. And um, what Task Clone does is it goes into your um, Evernote well, it looks at a synced Evernote um, note that has the tag task phone, and um, it will speak to uh, to your electronic task manager. Um, it at last count, I think it's over 40 different task managers um, are supported by Task Clone. So, all the way from Nosby to Asana to, um, to OmniFocus, they, they support a lot of different platforms. But the the thing I like about that uh, that service is, um, if I if in a meeting I said I said to someone I was going to do something, I can I can be pretty confident that that's going to show up in my OmniFocus and I'll be able to process that task and get it completed uh, sometime in the future. That is the, the thing about when we're using Evernote; it's so easy to forget about something that's in there, but this is a way where, hey, I'm looking at my task manager every day, multiple times a day to make sure that it reminds us to check back with things that we've captured in Evernote. It's really, really a handy thing. Yeah, and there are some nerds who use uh, Evernote as their task manager as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there are ways to set it up with reminders and everything else. I don't want to have multiple reminders in multiple. I, just, I like to have one task inbox. And so task clone is useful, but there is a way to use Evernote to manage. Um, you can do it, uh, a GT, a getting things done, a GTD approach uh, in Evernote itself. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. But like you said, it's, it's a personal preference thing. Absolutely. It's, it's possible. It's possible. And maybe yeah. someone listening, that's it's just the right tool for me. I absolutely love OmniFocus. So it's my go to. Tell us about your next one. You're 
Oh, I can't even pronounce that. Chungwasoft. I don't know how to pronounce it either. I think it's Chungwasoft. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, they actually have, I, I found them because I needed a send later service uh, in, in Apple Mail. Um, but they also have a, um, an Evernote Clipper. And the cool thing about Chungwasoft's Evernote Clipper is that in your email, if you're using Apple Mail, uh, you'll end up with a little um, button up on the top. And when you're highlighting an email, you can just click the button and it will allow you to put that, um, uh, that email into Evernote. The really cool thing is you don't have any forwarding formatting or anything. It just sends the, the note just as the, the email just as it is into Evernote. Um, and I've found that I use it quite frequently, several times a day. Um, I still will forward stuff um, if I'm looking at my email on my um, iPhone. But if I'm sitting at my computer and I want to forward an email, I'm, I've ended up using that that Evermail uh, quite often. Well, that sounds great. And then I have shared about Scannable before on the show, but this may be someone's first time listening, or I'm sure you have a unique way of using Scannable. Tell, tell us about what it is. Uh, just remind us and then how you use it. Well, uh, what, because um, well, I had a lot of receipts, uh, whether for uh, my own uh, home use or, or for work, and I discovered I scan everything with, I scan every receipt with Scannable. Um, the, uh, the Scannable is, uh, I think it was created by the Evernote folks. Do you know if I'm correct on that? It is. Yeah, it was created by Evernote. Yeah. And uh, the, um, the thing that's cool about the app is it searches for the edges of a document. It will de-skew a document um, and it works extremely fast. And we'll send uh, we'll send your stuff directly to your inbox very very quickly and very seamlessly. And the uh, OCR technology, the, the optical character recognition, is sufficient to where um, uh, I've not found an app yet on my iPhone that's in, that that syncs so well to my Evernote uh, that is as accurate as um, as Scannable is. And I still use my ScanSnap. Um, desktop scanner if I have stuff in the office, but if I'm out and about uh, or at a conference and I need to scan a receipt, I'm almost always going to go ahead and capture it with Scannable instead of trying to keep track of that paper until I get home. It is so fast and so quick and I, I I almost my scanner gets used a lot less even when I'm in my office now and I'm just going to give a quick use case for me. I like when I'm listening to students' final presentations. I don't want to be on my technology because I want to model for them. When they're in my class, most of the time we leave the technology alone. I do flipped classes. There's plenty of times where they get to use the technology. But when we come in person, we like to be very present for each other. And sure. so I don't want to sit there on my iPad as I watch their presentations because then it looks like, well, all that stuff I told you before, well, I don't live it. So I'll bring the rubric <laughs> for their presentations and I'll fill the rubric out as they're presenting. That way I can give full eye contact. They can see that I'm writing on the rubric. You know, it does, they don't wonder, am I sitting there doing something else? Actually, when I was getting my doctorate, I had someone, a, a professor read the newspaper in the back of the room when we were giving presentations. Wow. And then it was just one of those 
it still boggles the mind how that would be okay. <laughs> so I, I want to give full <laughs> attention to the students. And then what I did with the, and actually the scannable technology now is they just upgraded Evernote recently to be built into Evernote. So the camera right inside of the Evernote app will get rid of the edges of the page, just as you described, it'll, it'll make sure that it's straight, it'll do the OCR, all of that. I just scanned so quick every single one of those rubrics into separate notes. And then I went in on each one of the notes as I'm still physically holding the rubric in my hand, I would record an audio note. I don't have the best penmanship, so I would tell them, you know, I'm just going to talk you through the rubric, congratulate you on the presentation, and give you the feedback so they don't have to worry about reading my writing. But they're able to hear my voice and see the rubric, and it was fast. And then I just shared the note to the students. That's a great idea. I'm going to do that. It worked really good. As far as my recommendation for today, I am going to recommend a book called The Checklist Manifesto. One of the other great things to have inside of Evernote are checklists. I'm just quickly looking on my shortcuts. I have a checklist for, that's not a checklist, I'm sorry, I have a list of potential podcast guests. I have checklists for things like class preparation when I'm developing a new class or when I'm teaching a class that I've taught before, all the things that have to happen or all the things that have to happen at the beginning of a semester. I have a checklist for that. And I got inspired after reading the checklist manifesto. It is an absolutely wonderful read because it's just, it talks about all these different aspects of how checklists are saving lives and hospitals, how checklists are making our air flights safer because pilots use checklists and how architects that are building buildings that have never existed before and therefore there's no checklist to speak of but just a communication checklist that has everybody communicating with each other at different key milestones in building these incredible buildings that have never existed before. So the checklist manifesto is my recommendation and then you could think about putting some of your checklists into Evernote. That's a great idea. You know, the thing of it is, for those of us who teach, uh, it, it, nobody's going to fall out of our airplane because uh, we didn't have a checklist. But the work we do is really important, and it's worthy of that kind of uh, attention and time and focus mm-hmm. um, to, to, to try to do it well, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I do. And I'll tell you, it reduces my stress, too. In fact, you saw my checklist for every episode that I have at the beginning, so I don't forget to test the sound levels or to press record, or all that good stuff sure. to make a podcast happen. So it's the little thing sometimes. Well, Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming on to teaching in higher ed. I feel like we could have had this as five episodes because <laughs> you are a wealth of information. And I hope you'll consider coming back on the show in the future and sharing even more. I really did enjoy it. Thank you. I have so many things to go and explore in Evernote. Thanks once again to Scott Self for being here on Teaching in Higher Ed. And this is my last reminder. We have episode 50 coming up, and I would love it if you would celebrate with us by calling 949-38-LEARN and leaving a message with a takeaway that you've had from listening to Teaching in Higher Ed, as well as a recommendation for the community. Again, that's 949-38-LEARN. It's only going to take a second. You can just take a break from grading, walk around your block for a bit, leave a voicemail 949-38-LEARN 
and help us celebrate. Maybe you could blow one of those party whistles or something to celebrate a good almost year in teaching in higher ed. Thanks for listening. And as always, send your feedback on teachinginhighered.com slash feedback. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.